Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to It's Rainmaking Time. This is Kim Greenhouse. It's my great pleasure to welcome you to the first commentary. I wanted to start this commentary by talking about some recent feedback that I got in March from a listener who had listened to the segment titled Reexamining the Hebrew Bible. This segment aired on September 28th, 2011. I had invited Richard Elliott Friedman and Shauna Delonsky, the authors of The Bible Now, because I felt like they were extremely ethical, incredibly professional people. They read and write in over six languages. They use philosophical and literary analysis, text criticism, source criticism, redaction criticism, anthropological perspectives, archaeology and ancient languages like Hebrew, Greek, Akkadian, Ugartic, Aramaic, and also tools of the trade that were called upon to address the most controversial aspects of the Old Testament or the Hebrew Bible. They're biblical scholars, and they're really, really diligent. So I was very interested. I was interested as a human being, as somebody who was interested in cosmology. As you know, if you've listened to It's Rainmaking Time, we've interviewed people in many traditions We've talked about the Zohar, Daniel Matt we had on. We've had Sister Chang Kong of Plum Village, partners with Thich Nhat Hanh. And we've had people talking about the Quran and the New Testament. We've had all kinds of analysis about the Bible. And I'm very open because I love to learn. Now, it happens to be that this segment addressed some of the most difficult subjects of the Hebrew Bible homosexuality, abortion, women's status, capital punishment, the earth, all the hot buttons. I felt that this was covered in an elegant and beautiful way. But apparently one of the listeners sent me a note, and I want to read you this note. And it goes like this. Hi, I've listened to your show for a good number of months. Today, I listened for a bit to the program about reexamining the Hebrew Bible. The view voiced about homosexuality turned me off. What about the New Testament view? Was the author of the book of Romans not Jewish? Next thing I expect is for you to have a show about how healthy the gay lifestyle is for the human body and society. Time to look for a more honest radio show. Goodbye. First of all, at least this person had the decency to write. They didn't just leave. They left, but they wrote, and they shared where they're at and how they feel which I really appreciate. I think it's more courageous and more decent that they took the time to write and communicate than a lot of people who would take issue with something that was said either by me or by the guest or the subject matter and just disappear. So I think it's very cool that they did what they did. Now, with respect to what they said, I don't know what view they're talking about that was voiced about homosexuality because there really wasn't a view there was an analysis done by Richard Elliott Friedman and Shauna Delonsky, which got written about in their book, The Bible Now. So I think it's the analysis that the person had the problem with. By the way, we're talking about a 12-minute piece of a larger show. It wasn't about the New Testament. That's not what the show was about. And the fact that they said the next thing they expect is for me to have a show about how healthy the gay lifestyle is for the human body and society is kind of... Like, I don't know where that comes from. Is that hysteria? Is that distortion and projection? I mean, what is that? What does that have to do with anything? 
However, I'm called upon since the whole issue of gay marriage is a hot button now and it's coming up more and more and bullying and more and more people are coming out. I think that we better talk about it. We haven't done a show about being gay. This segment and this commentary is not about being gay per se, but I think I'd like to clear up a few things. One is I, Kim Greenhouse, as a human being and as the show host and as the chief executive officer of the Rainmaking Company, have absolutely no problem with two people that love each other that are together in free will. I have no issue with it. It doesn't bother me. That's where I'm at. So if you're gay or straight, if you have a loving relationship and it works for you, then no problem here. To me, it's about love. It's not about what the bodies are doing or what bodies are doing what. The key here is if you have two consenting adults and people want to be together and share intimacy, that's their business. Secondly, this jump that they said in the email from, I expect for you to have a show about how healthy the gay lifestyle is for the human body and society. I don't have any problem with it. I don't think there is something called a gay lifestyle. I think that that is homophobic spin. There is no gay lifestyle. There is a life of people who love each other and are together building a life. But there's no gay lifestyle. That's just rhetoric and propaganda. There is no gay lifestyle. That's the other thing. And how healthy it is for the human body. I think love and tenderness and intimacy is great for the human body. Elevating your chi, being with your soulmate, being with your ideal partner, awesome for the human body. For society, I don't think there's any difference between somebody who's gay or straight or bisexual on society. In fact, the more diversity in society of everything, the better society will become. Society needs to incorporate diversity as a gift. No problem with that. Time to look for a more honest radio show. I don't know that I could be more honest than this. So whoever wrote this to me, this is an honest radio show. You may have had an issue with a piece of the content, and we're sorry you left, but thank you for writing us. The other thing I do want to say is that I think that this whole gay thing in 10 to 20 years is going to be a non-issue. Really, a non-issue. Because society needs to advance. People need to get past this. And part of the reason they have trouble getting past this one, I believe in my heart of hearts, is because of biblical imprints that are left for people of faith, which are reading a book that was put together by many people, translated many times over in different languages, interfered with, and altered over time. So we take biblical text literally. It's all about your cosmology. If where you come from is that this is the word of God and not simply prophetic content being transmitted to imperfect people at a certain time in history with their own predilections and issues and concerns and worries, etc., you don't have that context. For you, it's the word of God. It's God literally spoke those words. So it's all where you're coming from. Same thing with any religious book. So the Bible now is a book that talks about all these hot buttons. I want to invite you all to listen to reexamining the Hebrew Bible. There's confusion about homosexuality, that somehow pedophilia is a part of homosexuality, 
It is clearly, clearly not. For those of you who hold it that way and see it that way and feel it that way and you believe it that way, let me make a distinction for you that's clear. A pedophile is a person that violates a person with less power and authority, typically younger. They violate them physically, mentally, spiritually, and emotionally without their consent. A pedophile is not the same thing as two people of the same gender who love each other. Not at all. A pedophile can be a man or a woman, and whether that man or a woman is violating a boy or a girl, the violation is the same. That young child, that young person has no way to stop it, no free will. That is not homosexuality. So for those of you that have conveniently or mistakenly thrown them all into the same soup, distinguish them. They're not even in the same universe as each other. You're not even talking apples and apples. You're talking apples and planets. It's totally distinct. The other thing is that the gay marriage issue, the call for gay marriage, part of me as a human being wishes that we could get over this whole thing. It's not like the institution of marriage with a 50% divorce rate. Really, it should be in a fight with itself, looking at itself in the mirror. And so marriage between consenting adults should just be available, period. Consenting adults who want to marry. And I think that when you have to change the language of this, you really are making some people primary and other people secondary. Love is love. Marriage is marriage. And I know many of you are going to say, sorry, marriage is between a man and a woman. Well, that's definitely a primary translation of marriage. However, we're evolving, people. The whole earth is evolving. The planet is evolving. And we need to evolve to accept people who love each other and commit to being together. On a spiritual level, if you do not give people of the same gender the opportunity to commit and to be together and to function together, and you keep creating these additional other laws which complicate and make expensive the ability to love, to navigate, to commit, and to have a life together. For gay people, basically what you're doing is separating those people from yourselves. That is a separation mechanism that is unnecessary and then acting like you've given something up by allowing it to happen. I think this business of allowing it to happen, you've created these other laws where if gay people want to get married, they have to spend tons of money on lawyers and contracts. It ends up being very complicated. That is about as sexy and romantic as doing it with a jellyfish. Okay, people? It's not sexy, it's not romantic, it's disgusting. That's where I'm at. With respect to it being voted in every state in America, I understand people are at different places with this. I get it. However, I think it's time to stop tolerating gay people and just accept them. Just accept them. God does, and the last thing that's needed is more division in the world. All this dividing of you're not this, you're a that, I'm not this, I'm a that, it's all about separation. It's the language of separation. It's the fight about separation. 
it's ridiculous. There's so many important things that need to happen. So I want you to listen to Reexamining the Hebrew Bible if you get a chance. It's a really good interview. They work so hard on that book. And I want you to consider what they found. These are theologians. See what you think. Make comments. That's number one. Number two, I want to tell you that if you have a gravitational pull in you that is against or has major issues with gay people or you're homophobic, somebody who's homophobic is going to use an instrument like the Bible, one and two, as an instrument and a reflex and a block to accepting gay people. The thing that you have to know is the Bible was written by human beings. No matter what you say, it came through human hands and human minds and human consciousness at the time. And so the opportunity to listen to two theologians and to read what they found is remarkable. So in the spirit of education, in the spirit of inquiry, I invite you to listen to my interview with Shauna Delonsky on reexamining the Hebrew Bible. If you're very religious and you're full of dogma, I'm not talking about the love of God. If you're full of dogma and you take everything literally and you have no space in your heart or in your spirit to learn and to discover more, then by all means, don't listen to it. Don't waste your time. This dogma can be found in every industry. It's not just in formal religious context here. Dogma, and what I refer to as ideological bondage, can be found in medicine. How many people around the earth have been curing cancer and the FDA goes after them and puts them in jail and closes their offices and trashes their findings when they're successful and effective? There is dogma and ideological bondage in the medical field. There are procedures that are done. There's pharmaceutical agents that are given that are deadly and horrible. And because of the paradigm there, and the dogma and the methodology of thought, the same practices happen. The medical community has priests. The AMA is a priesthood, and they are about controlling what people think, stopping people from being effective at curing people because they want control over the method by which somebody gets cured. Dogma exists in science all over the place. Dogma is the dragon guarding the gate of all human thought and functioning. If it were moved away, if it were melted, it would open the way to multitudes of discoveries, new and ancient knowledge, inventions that are beyond our wildest dreams. It's dogma that says that in order to get pure water, we have to use rainwater and we have to go through the aquifers. Do you understand that? It's dogma that makes you think that there is only infrastructure above ground around the world. That's dogma that keeps us putting gasoline in our cars. It is dogma that says we have to drive cars. It is dogma that says we have to take pharmaceutical agents, have to get injected with vaccinations. Dogma is extensive in science. Just recently, a very, very prominent scientist did a TED Talk. His name is Rupert Sheldrake. We had him on the show. He is the author of Science Set Free, The Science Delusion, Freeing the Spirit of Inquiry, Dogs That Know When Their Owners Are Coming Home. 
A New Science of Life, Morphic Resonance. And he gave a talk on science. And TED Talks Board of Directors took his brilliant talk off of the TED Talks main portal and hid his talk so that very few people could find it and used as their basis that what he presented was pseudoscience. This is a man who had done work on the morphogenic fields, on telepathy, massive, massive research. And it is appalling that his work was censored, his talk was censored, and disenfranchised on the TED portals. This is dogma. The TED board of directors did not agree with the content that he was putting forth. They didn't like it. They didn't agree with it. And it bothered them because it flies in the face of science dogma, mechanistic science dogma. Our own military that started the Stargate Project, a remote viewing team out of Stanford Research Institute and Army Intelligence, after 25 years disbanded the project. And while they're developing a protocol to psychically spy on other countries in a repeatable, consistent fashion, they came across a discovery that is so profound in the area of consciousness that it's unbelievable. They figured out that our consciousness is non-local. Our consciousness interfaces with our brain, but it doesn't live in the brain. Consciousness is non-local. It is so profound that it should be one of the greatest discoveries of the modern day. And this incredible scientist also knew this when he was doing work in telepathy of how consciousness and how we become aware of things from across the world, how animals know when their owners are coming home, how people have a sense of being stared at, profound phenomenon that goes on every day. So non-locality tells us that our awareness is so much bigger than we've been taught mechanistically. This is a protocol that's repeatable. You can train people to do this, to gather information from the past, from the present, and into the future. And yet, the past, the present, and the future is, in fact, all happening now. There is no such thing as the past, because as we become aware of the present, it's now gone. It's now the past. We're always in something that is right now. There is no future, and the past is already gone and done. Remote viewing gives us evidence that we can go back into what we refer to as human beings as a past, a line of demarcation between now and back then, now and before now. God knows how many years there was before now. But here's the thing. Everything that has ever occurred in time and space is knowable. Everything that has occurred in time and space is knowable and trackable and recoverable in detail. You've got to listen to the remote viewing interviews that I've done with Paul Smith and Lynn Buchanan and the other people that I've interviewed. This is one of the great breakthroughs of the modern day. It's galactic. So dogma exists to keep this understanding out of universities, out of people's minds, out of children's minds, out of adult minds, out of families. Anything which keeps us contained and controlled is what's promoted. If we're able to heal by using frequencies, if we're able to heal in a totally different way and cure ourselves of diseases, 
The AMA is absolutely not interested in that. They're only interested in their dogmatic way of bringing it about. They control the ways and means. That's dogma. That is ideological bondage. And that's what we're talking about. The dragon guarding the gate of all discovery, of bettering life on the planet, of taking us to a level where there is a blissfulness on this planet of people taking care of each other, drinking purified great water, eating healthy, nutrient-rich food, having fantastically healthy, vital bodies. The dragons guarding the gate are in every single industry. How do you get metals out of the ground? What do you clean gold with? Mercury. Do we have to use mercury to mine? What is that? We have to? Or just that's the way it's been done? We've got dogma. We have ideological bondage in everything. There's ministries everywhere. Finance. Let's talk about ideological bondage. Muhammad Yunus, 30 years ago, said the poor will have credit. They do not have to have collateral to pay back their loans. That would have never happened in North America. Would have never happened in Europe with the European banking system and the American banking system. The only reason he got a chance to do what he did is because people wrote him off when he first started. They wrote this guy off. Fine, let him give 10 and $20 loans to these women in the villages. His basic premise was so counter, it literally was a revolution in banking. It defied the fact that people were saying, of course you have to have collateral to give a loan. That's the only way you can guarantee you get it back. No, no, lies not at all true. This is financial dogma, people. Same thing with some of the securities laws. Oh, you can't raise money unless you have a securities license. Really? In other words, the people that are making the rules have their dogma. What about the Lehman formula, everybody? Which says, the more you raise, the less you should get paid. Who came up with that dogma that people still follow today? I've had people ask me to raise money and use the Lehman formula on me. And you know what I told them? Take a hike. So there you go. That's your dogma in the financial field. Venture capital. What does venture capital want? Everything. Everything. They want to take over other people's works. They want the lion's share of what they're getting involved in because, quote, they're in the business of risk. They're not in the business of risk the same way a pioneer is, the way a scientist is that's been working on an invention. They are not in the same level of risk as a entrepreneur who gives up their credit, families go by the wayside, relationships break up. All kinds of things happen to these people. They get threatened, disenfranchised, not at all the same type of risk. But what is the dogma in the finance business? What is the belief structure? They're the ones taking the risk and nobody else's. And that's why they should have the lion's share of everything and a controlling interest in everybody else's stuff that they don't make, don't know how to make never knew how to make and will never make. That's dogma all over the place. Dogma that you have to go. I was told I have to go to university to get a degree. Now, without a degree, I'll never get hired. Really? I had a degree. I had massive experience. And I struggled for 10 years. Nobody would hire me. 10 years, people. 
The only person that responded to my letters was Bill Clinton's office. 10 years, people. Degreed, massive business experience, couldn't get hired. Fascinating. Could not get hired to save my life. So what's the dogma? I had to get a job? I didn't want those terrible jobs, low-paying, horrible opportunities that weren't opportunities. I wanted my own company. I wanted to bring whole systems approach to getting things done for people. I wanted to bring products to life. I wanted to bring new industries into being. I wanted to help coach and facilitate new inventions, creative works. I want to set up a whole new universe of opportunity for people around the world. I'm not interested in a friggin' job. So you have to have a college degree. And now what do children and young adults have to do? They have to go into massive debt and become debt slaves to have a university degree? You got to be kidding me. And if you're out there and you're listening to me, don't put yourself through it. The whole thing is a sham. University degrees don't promise you anything unless you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer. Anything else? Go ahead and go do what you want to do. Go make it happen. Go put it together. And don't depend on universities and going 50 years into debt to get your degree to then have to go out there and be paid $15, $10 an hour jobs. Don't do it. That's the dogma. See all this dogma that's being pumped to people? It's ridiculous. There's dogma everywhere. And most of us are in ideological bondage. More people kill themselves now because they're broke. They've lost their job. They can't get back in the job market. And they don't know what to do. Well, I'll tell you what to do. Do the thing you really want to do that you were talked out of. Go work for people you like, you love, you respect, and you want to help. Go help people and the way will come for you. Don't let people talk you into going into deadening jobs. And don't get into a habit of looking for jobs that aren't there and lose your life force over it. Go help people you want to help and do the things that you love to do and do the things that give you life force. And get out of the mode of what you have to do. I'm telling you, the whole world is changing. Everything is changing. Industries are dying. Businesses are dying. Industries are being bankrupted overnight. Banks are coming in and out of existence. All of that's happening while new industries are forming. New companies are being put together. New opportunities are availing themselves. New industrial complexes are crowning. Don't just look in the old job market. Don't look in the small pool. Listen into the big universe for opportunity. Get into the opportunity business. Your credit rating is coming in and out of existence. Don't make your life about your credit rating either. That's another piece of dogma. Don't feel bad if anything happens to you. Sometimes things just happen and there's nothing you can do about it. Just press on. Press on. Don't let dogma kill you. That's my message to everybody today. Don't let any dogma and anything that keeps you in ideological bondage get to you. Keep on rolling. Go be with the people you want to indwell with. Go move with the people you want to hang with. Go work with and for the people you respect. Go for it. And everything else, don't go to the dragons who guard the gate of all discovery of new business enterprises, of a whole new way to do business, of new inventions, new protocols, new processes. Don't let these dragons of industry and their instruments keep you from anything. You don't have to serve them. You don't have to serve cultures of death and destruction. Serve that which lights your spirit. Get out of the dogma. Love and fall in love with learning. Learn how to learn. 
Thank you very much. This is Kim Greenhouse from It's Rainmaking Time.